We look at moments of an employee experience. A moment is their onboarding. A moment is, I just got promoted to leader, and so let's do some leadership development. And these are really important. They're real-time, relevant, upskilling and support. Moments matter. Also, movement matters. Hi, I'm Ted Blosser, CEO and co-founder of WorkRamp, where we're redefining the corporate learning space with the world's first all-in-one learning cloud for employee and customer learning. Welcome to the Learn Podcast, where we learn from the biggest leaders in SaaS and hear what makes them successful. Hope you enjoy the show. Everyone, welcome to the show. Today, we are delighted to have on our guest, Marie Potter, Senior Director of Culture and Development at Getty Images. This is an expert series conversation, so a little bit different. We're going to do a deeper dive into the day-to-day of great learning professionals like Marie. And so we have so much great stuff to talk about today. Marie, welcome to the show. Before we get started, why don't you give a quick elevator pitch about yourself, anything you want to say, where you're located, a little background on yourself, anything you want to give the audience. All right. Thanks, Ted. It is so great to be here with you today. Um, talk a little bit about myself and the work we do, but really talk about the the great things we do at Getty Images around our visual content and learning and development, which all tend to go hand in hand, which we'll talk about. So Marie Potter, Senior Director of Culture and Development at Getty Images. I've been with Getty Images since 2017. I have a little bit of an interesting background story where I am an accidental HR person. I used to work in higher education for 15 years out of the Seattle area at the University of Washington which is also my alma mater, and made the transition over to working in corporate world, not just corporate America. We have a global company, but the corporate world. And a couple years ago, transitioned uh, physical locations, and I moved from Seattle down to Arizona um, in the Phoenix area with my family because we have embraced a hybrid work model, and my family has greatly benefited from that flexibility and trust that Getty Images offers its employees. It's really great to be here. I can't wait to dive into talking all things learning and development. You're, you're in my hometown where I grew up. I am jealous, would love to move back there one day. So, well, let's, let's jump into it. So a lot of us have heard of Getty Images, but probably don't know much about the business. We've probably all seen them on our Google image searches. Probably people are using copyrighted images <laughs> when they shouldn't be. But tell us a little about Getty, the organization, I think people underestimate its scale, its size, its impact on the whole world. Give us a little background on the business itself before we get into it. Happy to do that. And hey, we want you all to use our images. Come to us. We'll help you through that. So at Getty Images, we believe in the power of imagery and that the perfect image or video can make you think or feel or act. It drives home your message, it elevates your brand, and it fits your budget. So we help businesses of all types and sizes connect and engage with their audiences in an increasingly digital and visual world. So Getty Images is the world leader in visual content. You may recognize us through one of our three brands, Getty Images, iStock, and Unsplash. And these three brands, we all share one mission, and that it's a pretty beautiful one. It's move the world. And we serve over a million customers around the globe through our depth and breadth and coverage of news, sports, and entertainment events. And we also offer exclusive, highly differentiated, conceptual creative imagery. You know, we're pioneers of custom content. We serve as a distribution partner for hundreds of brands and organizations. And we maintain one of the largest and best privately owned photographic archives in the world. And by the way, in terms of elevator pitch, Ted, this is going to be a long elevator ride because I can't just talk about... (laughs) I can't just talk about... the corporate pitch conversation. I know. Got to know who you're working for, right? You got to know that brand. 
and I'm a very mission-driven kind of individual. And so coming to a place like Getty has been awesome. But I will say a few more floors of that elevator. It's also important to talk about not just what we do as a company, but how we do it with the people in our walls, right, at Getty Images. So we have over 1,700 employees. And our goal is to be one of the best places to work globally. So our foundation rests in our values. And those are our leadership principles, which are how we come together to do our work. And those are woven in everything we do. So if you hear me drop a leadership principle into a conversation later today, there's a reason why. It's so ingrained with us. And that's how we are customer focused and we're inclusive and we're supportive and we're always striving for improvement. So you have to know Getty Images, both the product we deliver to our customers every day and the way that we embody our move the world mission and our values with our employees. And I can't wait to talk with you more about that employee experience. 1,700 employees. And was it always remote or was it pandemic driven? And are there any like major hubs or locations or is everyone spread out everywhere? Ah, that's a great question. So global company, really important to understand that there's over 30 markets in which we have staff in our present. London, New York, Sydney, Tokyo, Seattle, LA, Chicago, I mean, Calgary. Uh, we have a lot of different kind of more major offices. And when I joined in 2017, it was definitely a go to the office experience, but with a lot of kind of flexibility and trust, right? If you need to work from home for the day, do it. We have event staff that are traveling and covering those news and sports and entertainment events. The pandemic shifted a lot of it. And the pandemic, we found that when everyone kind of went home and work, productivity stayed high and trust and transparency were so high. And so it really forced forward thinking kind of momentum across our leadership around what is the future of work? In fact, we had like teams of folks that came like future of work steering committees and all these conversations that were cross-functional and really looking at all the aspects of what it looks like to have a hybrid working workforce. And that's where we are today. Hybrid working work, which is why in 2021, my family was able to benefit from this. We had a personal family need to get us down to Arizona. And work said, you know what? We trust you. You know how to log in. In fact, I was thankful to not have a three-hour round-trip commute anymore every day. (laughs) And it's a global team. So we were really positioned well for disruption, I guess. And we actually had launched some flexible work principles in 2019, pre-pandemic, that emphasize trust, life first, transparency, communication, collaboration. So we, we were able to ride that pandemic wave pretty well and come out to this like kind of future thinking workspace that really serves our customers well and serves our employees well. And when you could do both of those, that's a, that's a great chemistry mix for a company. That's awesome. So let's let's jump into your role specifically too. And I yeah. think, um, in in from a title perspective, you lead up culture and development. I think at every company, that means something different. So I'm kind of curious for you and Getty. Tell us a little bit about your role, responsibilities, and and we'll dive into team structure, team organization as well. But I want to help the audience understand. All right, what does culture and development mean for Getty? And then let's do a breakdown. And we might even go role by role or team by team. And, and but I'd love Absolutely. to understand at a high level how it's broken down within Getty. Yeah, I love it because when I say, oh, I'm head of culture and development, people pause and they say, what does that mean? And then we get, a, we get to dig deep and we get into the conversation. So let's do that. So I started at Getty, I mentioned in 2017, and I joined as a, as a, a manager in learning and development. And that was the space. 
having worked in higher education before and working with adult learners and doing leadership and learning programming, I was able to do the transferable skill kind of impact work and come into Getty Images with fresh perspective, non-traditional, not not an HR trained person, but very much a fan of HR, right? Because there's a lot of symbiotic relationship between what we do to serve folks, serve people. And I had had some experience working in diversity and inclusion back in higher education. So got here in 2017, super jazzed about learning and development in the corporate world. And Getty was also at the start of looking at this journey in diversity and inclusion, which I had had some experience in. And so fast forward to 2020, kind of the, the layers of the team started to form. So when we talk about culture and development, we're actually talking at kind of three verticals. And one is learning and development. Again, the classic one, the one I was hired into to support diversity and inclusion, the one we have been growing and evolving and making impactful since 2017, the work started then, and people analytics, which is around 2019, we introduced people analytics as like a, a, a actual role and substitute part of the HR function to serve the business with our representative data and employee data. So three verticals there. And really, collectively, we champion the experience, the engagement, the connection, and development of our employees enterprise-wide. We align to business strategy. We align to those leadership principles I mentioned. And we're responsible for making sure we meet the commitments that enhance our culture, whether that, again, is learning in our inclusion work and understanding the data around our people. And so we, we often use the tagline of we shape and tell the story of our people. Uh, but Ted, you also asked like specifics, right? So let's get down to some specifics of what is a culture and development team. We sit in the HR function and we focus on those three intersecting verticals of L&D and D&I and people analytics. And our structure in total, there's nine of us. And we're located across EMEA and AMER, but we stretch our working hours across these region, regions. So we actually have some real-time interaction with our APAC colleagues during their mornings and later afternoon. So it's a pretty good, nice global spread and, and reach. Within the team, three of my folks focus on DNI, four on learning and development, and then one on people analytics. And I'll have to tell you more of that story a little bit later too, because one is, is not enough, but we have a rock star in that role. And that's an area that I would grow is our people analytics. I would make it a proper team and, and get him some support in the future. And but, from a team structure, all, yeah. all rolling into the head of HR or VP of people yeah. or chief people officer? So the nine of us roll into our chief people officer, Lizanne Vaughn, who's a fantastic leader, has been really someone who's given us the autonomy, the creativity, the trust to do our work and is like God. a really good like in the weeds partner too. When you need your chief people officer to be like, let's brainstorm about this learning concept, she'll roll up her sleeves and do that with us. So and that's something that you'll hear me talk about too. I think buy-in and trust from senior leadership, from your CEO, from your chief people officer, from your executive team is the make or break it point when it comes to L&D and D&I work especially. Because when you have buy-in and trust in, from those leaders, people follow that, right? That, that encourages yeah. followership towards learning and growth mindset and inclusion. And I'm so fortunate that at Getty Images, I have that. And, and we could talk a little bit more about that as well, but so yeah. What we'll, what we'll do for this conversation, I want to break down each of those three pillars here in a second, Absolutely. maybe a, a quick tidbit on each. But my question for you is, what's your overall, when you're, when you're building a group around development and culture, 
do you have an overall KPI North Star that you're, let's call it measured on? Is it ENPS? Some, I've seen some of our, our customers use that at WorkRamp, for example. Any, any top line KPI that your team measures themselves on? Definitely, there's a whole suite of things that we'll look at. We do use NPS. So we use a net promoter score when we're looking at our training programs. And we immediately after that training, we ask people to fill out a survey, let us know what worked, what didn't work, their ideas for the future, and then do the, would you recommend this to someone else? We get our net promoter score. Two prongs, seeking out data, right? And we do that through things like our engagement survey, programmatic surveys, that NPS score on training, like I mentioned. And then also just feedback, right? How did that land with your team? And those are the, I think those are the relational feedback moments, the conversations with employees and with leaders and making sure there's that open door of feedback always, anytime, just Slack or email or find me on Zoom and we'll, we can talk it out. So we do seek it out, but then we yeah. also, we monitor the data, right? That data that we're not having to send a survey out about, but we can watch. So we use SharePoint. And so we have internal SharePoint site visits. So we can look at how many people are viewing pages. We try to funnel a lot of communication through SharePoint too, because we can track who's actually read it versus like yes. an email where you can't. We also look at usage stats on our platform. So we, I haven't said it yet, but we are a customer of yours where we utilize WorkRamp. You're welcome. <laughs> We're, we've just celebrated our one, one year WorkRamp Getty-versary about a month ago, it's been an amazing move for us because we looked at platforms and we were like, we need strong reporting. Data drives decision-making. And so it was nice. We can look at those usage stats on WorkRamp as, again, one example of monitoring data. We also look at course completion data and we look at external data trends. So data as a leverage tool is such a powerful a powerful thing, not just for the person who sits in the people analytics role. So I'll say that it is for every single member of my team, every single member of HR. It is how we do business. And we, what it does is it helps us not jump to assumptions. It helps us fact check and validate that the data is showing whether or not someone's engaged, whether or not they're learning. And so when you talk about kind of North Star KPI, I would say it's that data soup that we're looking at yes, to help it. us understand things. I love it. We'll jump into the, I want to understand this people analytics pillar yeah. here in a second. Let's dive into, you mentioned L&D a little bit. Obviously we have a lot of L&D people in the audience. Give us, give us a, maybe a, a big learning or even success you've had in the L&D function so far. Let's say over the last 12 months, like, and it could be anything. Tell us about how you built this and maybe, maybe a big win for you lately on the L&D front. So one of the things you learn about me, Ted, is I always have to define things, right? So we have, and it's probably because I worked at the information school at the University of Washington for 12 years, and I learned about controlled vocabulary and the importance of making sure that when we talk about L&D or D&I or any of these things, we're talking about the same thing. So when I say L learning and development or L&D, this is where we are creatively designing and facilitating on trainings and programming that's relevant and grows our talent. So that is my North Star definition on that. And that's the full employee experience. And so that's onboarding, leadership development, high potential programming, mentoring, the employee engagement survey. That's what our team runs. Connectivity and also training and upskilling. And so a lot of that, whether it's synchronous or asynchronous. So one of the things over the last 12 months that 
we've been looking at is engagement and connection. And so I mentioned earlier, we've moved to this hybrid work model. And so we have some folks that go into office, create community there and create connection there. That's usually our traditional way of doing it. We have folks like me who work fully remote. And so my connectivity portals are things like the the technology that I have, it's emails, it's Zoom, it's Slack. It's not as much face-to-face, though I will say I live in Arizona and it's sunny here. And so I've had like a dozen colleagues come visit me since I've moved down here. I would say visit me. They technically came to see the- fence that guest house now. Yeah, I know. They (laughs) they technically come to hang out in the sun and go to baseball games and, you know, resorts. They happen to squeeze in a coffee visit or or a dinner date with me. But I appreciate it. I'm still connected that way. But we have people all around the globe, different time zones. And how do we foster connectivity? so that people are engaged, that they feel seen, they feel valued, they feel like they have a friend at work. And I use friend, that's a pretty broad term, but just someone they trust, right? So I can talk with you about what's going on and talk with you about work and how we, how we come together in community. And so we've been really focused on employee connectivity, so much so that we've added it in as what we call an employee all company commitment. So things that we'll work on together, to elevate our experience for our employees. And so connectivity looks like things like random coffee dates for folks. And coffee dates doesn't mean literally we're in a coffee shop together. It may mean, you know, I have my mug, you have your mug. We're connected over here on an online platform like Zoom. And we're just taking 30 minutes to say, how's your day going? What you working on? What are you learning about the business? Our senior leaders, our executives, they participate in these like kind of 30 minute informal chats. So we have those informal things set up. We've also seen our employees rise up to say, you know, what? when we talk about wanting connectivity, we're going to do it ourselves too. So there's these communities of practice, we call them guilds, but these communities of practice that are starting to emerge around information science, around project management. And these folks who have, I mean, they might have complete, they might never have a reason to interact because They're in different functions, different locations. They work on different work, but because they're project managers, they found each other and they're sharing good learning and skills to sharpen each other. And also kind of that community to just be like, what should we be learning about? How should we be upskilling? And what are our woes? What are our our pros, right? So they're they're building their own connections. You know what I really like about what you're explaining is I think when when I work with a lot of customers and people in the industry, they think of L&D is kind of this isolated thing, actually more with a training bet, right? Like, hey, I want to train or upskill and let's go do that. Yeah. What you're describing is almost L&D and almost culture slash communication. It's kind of wrapped in this culture, it sounds like, where you care a lot about connectivity in the context of, of L&D or using L&D as an enabler of that yeah. as well. So that's actually really unique. I haven't heard that as much from L&D leaders, but I love how you almost have a mini pillar within L&D, which is all around connection. I don't know where else that would sit in an org, to tell you the truth. Like, where, where else would that sit? It's pretty cool that it gets to sit with us. And if yeah. you think about that L&D and D&I, people analytics pillars, they're totally interwoven, right? And yeah. you can see that connectivity is like a, a, a nice bind, engagement as a nice bind, transparency as a nice bind. It's bringing it all together. And I mean, if, if anything, that tells you at Getty Images, we give creative space to play to evolve, right? And I think training as a whole is often transactional. We train you on this. You, you 
do the training. You take a survey on the training. We'll get your MPS score out of that thing. And then you're, you move on. I was thinking the other day because I was prepping for you know, our conversation. I was very excited to talk with you. And I've been thinking about the L&D function as a series of moments and movement. So I'll tell you what that means. We look at moments of an employee experience. A moment is their onboarding. A moment is, I just got promoted to leader. And so let's do some leadership development. And these are really important. They're real-time, relevant, upskilling and support. Moments matter. Also, movement matters. But movement, some, some people might say like, well, Marie, when you say movement, do you mean like movement out of role or out of business? I'm not talking movement in a very one-dimensional way. I'm talking movement in a fully encompassing way. So I mean movement as stretching, growing, evolving, developing, testing things out, driving engagement. And I think movement goes across learning and well-being and inclusion. And I believe that as learning and development professionals, we should be really actively, strongly creating those moments of, of, of need. And we should also be creating the movement of inflection so that people are constantly pivoting, trying things out, getting curious, stretching. So I, I equate it to maybe I need a vacation because I'm going to equate it to the beach, right? Your moments are, are those islands. You got to go visit them, right? Yes, yeah. stay on them for a moment. Movement is the waves. And we should be creating a culture where people are constantly surfing those waves, riding those waves, get to the moments when they need to, but also having that experience throughout. That's a lot more fun too for them. And it helps them grow. I love that concept. Let's go to speaking of movement and 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 probably measuring the movement, I want to go into the people analytics pillar, which I actually think is, you, you said it might be understaffed as an example, but I actually <laughs> yeah. seen it, not even staffed at many companies that I work with. Tell us about this pillar. How's this structured? What do they work on day to day? Are they in special tools? I know there's a few tools in the, on the market that, that actually work on people analytics specifically. Mm-hmm. Give us the rundown on the people analytics pillar. I think one of the things you'll, you'll, get to know about us at Getty Images, we're, we're lean, we're scrappy, and we roll up our sleeves. And so the whole team does end-to-end, you know, instructional design, building out PowerPoints and sites, facilitating a- analysis. And so we have a very much, if, I mean, I would say if anyone ever wants to just be like fully engaged in all aspects of a role and work, that's what my team does. And people analytics is also scrappy, lean, and creative. So our people analytics role his name is Tim. I'm just going to tell you his name because he's, again, a rock star. And I don't, know if, I don't think we'd be as far as we are without him. Recruiters, um, don't recruit Tim. Don't rec- I'm not telling you his last name for a reason. <laughs> uh, but what we do in the people analytics space, again, one person operates with about the knowledge and expertise of five people. But this one person is looking at our full employee experience in terms of life cycle and performance analytics, um, supporting the full of HR. So the people analytics role may sit in culture and development, but that's in a, we have a managerial relationship. We work very well. I used to work again at the information school at the University of Washington. I love folks who work with data. I think they're the coolest. And so we have a great working relationship, but really Tim is working across all of HR. He's working with benefits, with compensation. He's working with the HRBPs. And so it's a, it's a role that needs someone, and we have it, who can work with across stakeholders, including outside of HR, such as financial planning and analysis. So what this role does is really look at the reporting aspects. So it's not the data in part of it. We have an HR operations team and they're helping make sure we have data integrity and data quality of data going in. 
what his role is really doing in people analytics is being able to go into Workday, which is our people management system. So go into Workday, be able to create the reports, customize reports. He had a learn Workday from scratch. So came in. I, I love folks who have different backgrounds from the traditional roles. I love transferable skills. That's the hallmark I think of my team is we 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 use skills and strengths. We don't use the traditional roots all the time. So he learned Workday in 2019 and is now an an expert pulls that workforce demographic or workforce data for us and then helps garner insights. I think a very specific project I'll tell you about, which I think is, I've heard people say this is pretty unique. Other companies are starting to do this more, but back in 2020, we kicked off a workforce demographics project. And that project was designed to legally collect demographic data in regions outside of the U.S., So most companies, especially if you have a U.S. presence, will collect data around race and ethnicity, for example, U.S. only, and that's due to legal limitations around collecting the data in other jurisdictions around the globe. We're a global company. We've got global employees. We have to represent them well in our story, and data tells our story. And so what we did is looked at all the legal requirements. We partnered with the legal team, the HR systems team, and then our people analytics side, looked at all those requirements, figured out what was legal, what we needed to avoid, and created a process and and protocols around safely collecting demographic data across the globe. We brought that into place in 2020. And what that has done is allows us to look at true global data around our employee population. We do an internal culture diversity and inclusion report annually. And so we've been taking that representation data, reporting it back to our employees so they can see us representing them. And we look at intersectional data now too. And so we're looking at different slices around, well, if we're looking at gender and we, we can always do that, right? You can take one, one aspect, look at it. Well, if we looked at gender sliced by race and ethnicity, are people being promoted with equal opportunity? Are they being represented across the business with equal opportunity? Are they being hired with that equal opportunity? So it helps us be incredibly discerning with understanding who we're serving so that we can actually hold ourselves accountable towards making sure we have a representative workforce. It Data, again, will tell you the full story. You just have to make sure you collect it, use it, and, 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 and play with it, right? So it can help you get there. You know, when you brought up the pillar originally, I totally had the wrong perception when you mentioned <laughs> it. I was thinking of it, if I had to give an analogy, I was thinking of it more as HR ops, with a, with a data bank, almost analogy would be like the accountants of a finance org. But what you're describing is more of like an FP&A group who's taking that data and doing the planning, analysis, chopping it up and, and drawing insights. And I was totally, I had the wrong assumption there. I thought this role was more literally crunching data and, and working on the backend systems to feed to the team. But no, it's a person who's actually looking at the data. The data is already there because you have an HR ops team. And, and drawing the right conclusions for probably the programming across L&D, D&I, and culture and other investments you're making. That's so smart. I love the way you put that because, again, it's, it's one thing to have that data. It's important to have that data. That, but then the garnering of the insights to help us make programmatic and people shifts to help us be, again, a more inclusive company, a representative company, and a company that serves our employees really well. It's almost like detective work. It's really fun. It's really cool. And it's humbling, right? And you think, I thought we were doing a good job on that. 
But the data shows us that we got to keep doing some more work. And I yeah. think that's good. That's keeping it, keeping it honest and keeping it true to what our goals are. Well, Marie, I think we could do another three hours on this deep dive <laughs> next, next time. We'll do this offline because I want to learn more, but we're coming Absolutely. towards the end of our, our recording. So I want to actually end with one of my favorite sections called the Learn Rapid Fire Round. This is where I'm going to ask you a few questions related to just learning in general. Love to get one to two line answers for each of these. First one I'll start with is who have you learned the most from in life? Ted, asking me one person is really rough. So I'm going to call. <laughs> I'm going to call an audible on this one because it is really hard to say one person because I'm a sponge. I'm like a in the moment. When we meet, we're going to be best friends unless you tell me to go away. But I am constantly observing those around me from my leaders to my peers, to my team members, to the people in my community. And so my tip for others, I guess, if you're having trouble like me defining one person is just surround yourself with really smart people with great energy who are different from you and do that. And I think you'll you'll always be learning. So I know I didn't answer your question, but it's hey, a hard one for me to answer. There's a lot of people surround yourself. I love it. All right. How about one, let's say podcast, book, blog. What is like top of your learning list right now? Okay. I'm not, it's not right now, but I'll tell you. So I, I said, I made that transition, right? Big corp, late leap from higher ed to corporate in 2017. When I was hired, I was given the Strengths Finder book. And I took that, I, I read the book, but really there's an assessment with it where you get to identify your top five strengths. And I remember like huge transition in my life, big change. Will I make it in corporate or will I not? And I took the Strengths Finder assessment and I found out my top five strengths, strategic achiever, learner, communication, positivity. And I had this like moment where I was like, you know what? I can do this change. Because my strengths are what the L&D community is calling for. And I was like, I'm glad I'm coming to this job. So that, I would say, would be an impactful moment in my career and a book that helped me understand myself to do the job I do today. And we do, we do the StrengthsFinder analysis across all our leaders. And, and we open it up for teams to do workshops and stuff. So it, it's one we see in action every day at Getty Images. That's amazing. Okay, second to last one. If you had all the time in the world, let's say when you're retired or whenever taking a long, long vacation, what's the one topic you would want to learn more about during that time off? Oh, I, I don't know if I would do this on vacation. I'd probably just sleep or hang out on a beach somewhere. But I have recently been reading a lot more about technology in the learning space, metaverse, AI. It's like, absolutely scary and challenging and confusing and mesmerizing and all the things. And I did, I grew up in like the Terminator Skynet generation. And so technology is like beautiful and scary, but I don't want to be left behind as a professional. And so even though I'm like, I don't know what I don't know, and I don't know what I'm supposed to be learning yet, I feel like I have to lean into the challenge of learning around technology in this learning space so that I can help my team grow. And then also help help my business grow, right? So that we're not left behind, but we are advancing in a way that works for us and best honors the learning and development and DNI strategies of of our of our company. Yeah, I just bookmarked ChatGPT because I'm I'm trying to use it daily now just to train myself. I was like, I need to stay ahead of this just to oh, know how to we should it. talk. So, we should yeah, talk more about again the scary and beautiful things. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> same generation. I remember Terminator one and two. It's it can be scary. So all right, last question I'll ask okay. you. It's a career question. If you could okay. give one big piece of career advice, you've had an amazing career, what would you give to the audience in terms of career advice? 
I'm a, a huge fan of having a growth mindset. And when you're prepared for growth, you're prepared for change. So growth mindset allows you to reframe opportunities or reframe challenges as opportunities, missteps as lessons, and change as something to be open to versus scared of. Um, it helps with intimidation and insecurity. It helps you go to that job or try out that new new learning environment that you never thought you would need to, to be a part of, but now you want to because you have a growth mindset. So be curious. Raise the bar on what you expect of yourself. Apply growth mindset to your life personally and professionally, and then have fun and find joy in the work you do every day. I think that goes hand in hand with having a growth mindset. Well, Marie, thanks for closing out the the Learn Rapid Fire. So cool to hear all those answers. And, and also, thanks for joining us today and sharing all of your wisdom and your current role and also some of your previous life as well, too. So, Marie, we hope you enjoy Arizona here. We're jealous of the weather, and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Ted. Thank you, everyone, for joining. We hope you enjoyed the episode. And remember, always be learning.